Well, on this episode of the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman, I have something different because my guest had to cancel. And as he told me, such is the life of a ruling elder. And so he had a meeting come up for when we scheduled. And uh, and so so here we are. And But actually, two weeks ago, we had a congregational meeting here at Meadowview where we elected a ruling elder and a deacon. And I thought it would be great opportunity for me to go through our process a little bit and then let you hear or see, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, some of our congregational meeting and hear the testimony of our new ruling elder, Kevin Miller, a friend of mine and a brother in Christ that I'm just really excited for our church that he is here. And so I presume most people that listen to this or watch this podcast are ruling elders. That's who our audience is. And so this may be uh, maybe I'm preaching to the choir, uh, but maybe maybe you're going to share this with a potential ruling elder, somebody who's considering calling, somebody who your church is discipling and one day will be a ruling elder. And so maybe this will help explain the process a little bit. And so I'm going to spend a couple minutes talking here about the Book of Church Order, uh, what it says about officer election, and then I will describe a little bit of MetaViews process. And then you'll you'll see some of our congregational meeting, and you'll hear Kevin's testimony. Kevin Miller is uh, he's been going to this church since he was a youth, and he's I believe forty or forty one. He's young forties now, so it's a number of years that he has been here. And I really love the picture of somebody who's been raised in the church, married in the church, discipled in the church, had kids baptized in the church, and then they heed the call to say yes to the Lord's call in their life to to be a ruling elder. And so first I'll just go to tell you where in the BCO. And I, again, I know probably this is, you guys probably know this, but our book of church order defines the officers of the church in chapter 7, 8, and 9. Uh, chapter 7 is officers, the general classification of, of church office and officers. And then 8 is about the elder and nine is about the deacon. And so that's where they're kind of defined, but the election of them begins in chapter 24. And so I'm going to read some of this and uh, then you'll see some of it in action, maybe in our congregational meeting. Not that I'm a little embarrassed to even show the congregational meeting because some of you uh, decently in order uh, Presbyterians, as we're all supposed to be, are going to, are going to, find maybe places where I, I uh, fell short. And so I ask your your grace and the mercy in those areas. Uh, chapter 24 says, Election, comma, ordination and installation of ruling elders and deacons. 24.1, Every church shall elect persons to the offices of ruling elder and deacon in the following manner. At such times as determined by the session, communicate members of the congregation may submit names to the session keeping in mind that each prospective officer should be an active male member who meets the qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Nominees for the office of ruling elder and or deacon shall receive instruction in the qualifications and work of the office. Each nominee shall be examined in his Christian experience, especially his personal character and family management, based on the qualifications set out in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 and Titus 1, 6-9. He shall also be examined in his knowledge of Bible content. 
Letter C, his knowledge of the system of doctrine, government, discipline contained in the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America. Letter D, the duties of the office to which he has been nominated, and E, his willingness to give assent to the questions required for ordination. That might be another episode going through the ordination vows and the importance of them. Notwithstanding above, the above, the session may render a decision on his Christian experience at any point in the process, and based on that decision may judge him ineligible for that election. I believe that's actually a new statement, because the, the thought here is the congregation nominates men, but the session vets those men. The session may know reasons why the men are not in a position to say yes to this call. Maybe they're not qualified for the call, and those things may not be public. And so the session can can determine to move forward in, in training a man or not based on what they know. That That's their role. They pray over this. We do pray over this. And so uh, the, it's basically saying if at any point during the process, the session sees that a man doesn't meet the qualifications or isn't ready for it or whatever circumstances, they are able to stop the process. In other words, the train can be stopped. <laughs> It goes on, if there are candidates eligible for election, the session shall report to the congregation those eligible, giving at least 30 days notice prior, 30 days prior notice of the time and place of a congregational meeting for the elections. The pastor is by virtue of his office moderator of congregational meeting. So 24-3, all communing members in good and regular standing, but no others are entitled to vote in the election of church officers in the churches to which they respectively belong. And a majority vote is what is needed. And so that's that's the process. And you'll see that outlined in the congregational meeting as I explain it kind of broadly to the congregation, again, how, how our process works. It typically is a year-long process where in May we take, for, for a month, we take nominations. The session prays over them, has initial discussions with men through the summer probably, and then training starts in the fall. And then we have a congregational meeting in January or February to uh, to elect the men. We have to announce that 30 days in advance. That's that's the process. Now, I will say I'm new to training officers. I've been the senior pastor here three years and uh, the executive pastor at two churches before that. And so usually the senior pastor would do that. So in the three years that I've been here, we have had other officers come through, but the session that I'm a part of, and this is just something that's so awesome about our session, is they they were doing the training of the officers. And I, of course, would be a part of that. I'd be interviewing the men, discussing with the men, taking the men out, and uh, and training them more informally also. But this year, I took that over. One book that we used was this book called The Shepherd Leader by Timothy Whitmer. Uh, very good book. Sinclair Ferguson gave his uh, endorsement at the top. Of course, the Westminster Standards. I mean, you can't train elders without the Westminster Standards. I basically wanted to train the elders in, take them to the beginning. What is the church? And I spent a whole class on laying the foundation for the church. The first time that ecclesia is used in the New Testament, Matthew 16, when Christ says, he will build his church. The first instructions to the church were about the church in Matthew 18. And of course, we're talking about New Testament church here. We, we know the church has always been the people of God. 
the Great Commission in Matthew 28, of course. And so we, we looked generally at what the church is, because in our context here at Meadowview, we are in a, an area that there's not a large Reformed presence at all, either historically or presently. And so there's lots of different conceptions and understandings of what, what church is. And so I felt like that was important. The second class, we talked about calling and looked at some, how some of the prophets were called, looking at Isaiah 1 and Jeremiah 1. But then what the New Testament view of calling is and how to discern calling. And something we have here at Meadowview that is probably not unique to us, but so often men are approached for office and have been for years, and there just never seems to be a good time in their life for it. And so that's uh, that's something I'm trying to counteract. Like people called often, I think always probably feel the tension. I mean, many of us uh, desire and aspire to office. First uh, Timothy three will tell us that's a good thing. But there's often the weight of it and and the expectation of it often is a hindrance to a number of guys for finally accepting it. And so I wanted to show our guys that you know, not that we are Old Testament prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah, but uh, quite often people don't necessarily want the calling that is upon their life, but then the Lord gives them a heart for it. And so wanted to look at that. Then we looked at how the, the, the offices and officers were set up and really looked at that through the book of Acts and just showed how, again, in this early form, how the, the church grew and, and started to get more organized and how... You know, I, I believe Acts 6, I understand there's discussion about whether that's a diaconate or not. It certainly seems to lay out a pattern for uh, election of officers, the elders giving their assent to that and praying and laying hands on them. Uh, but also how, you know, Paul gathers the elders. And so you see, uh, of course, Jerusalem Council where men get together. And so you see some of the early forms of Presbyterianism, we would say. But then, of course, we get in in another class into the actual qualifications of elder from Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. And then from there, classes on what it means to be a ruling elder. Then multiple classes on, of course, our doctrine. And, and of course, the whole Westminster Confession of Faith is, is read by our candidates, and, and we go through those chapters. And then we go through the Book of Church Order. And there's classes on that. And so there's there's quite a number of classes. And that's happening. Uh, we did it Sunday mornings. But what I will say is, like in the case of, of Kevin, again, he had kind of grown up in the church. He was dating a, a young lady who was going to the church, still goes uh, here now since they have been married. But uh, he had his own church, but he was attending here since he was youth. So he's long been known to the church for, I guess, 25 years. And he had been asked to be a ruling elder a number of times over the last few years. And it was always seemed to be a timing thing for him and his family and his kids. About two years ago, really just started to more intentionally, rather than simply asking, including him in on uh, a lot of what the session does, even so much that when we did a session retreat last year to the Gospel Reformation Network conference, last May, we invited him to come along with us. And he got to know the elders in a in a more unique way over a two or three day period. I guess it was three days. And 
really get to see how the men think. He's, he was invited to session meetings. So really try to more intentionally include him in on what happens behind the curtain because it really shouldn't be behind the curtain. I mean, certainly there are discussions that we have that, that are private. And then from those meetings, from those discussions, having more discussions about what calling is. And so anyhow, that is our process. I'm going to take you to our congregational meeting now. And I, I will say there were a number of sound issues in the, during the congregational meeting, which was so unfortunate. And so there's a few places where it's going to cut to an, a new segment and you might not really notice what happened. You might say, why, why is he talking about that now? And that's unfortunate because the beginning of Kevin's testimony was, was actually cut off the first two minutes of it. And I'm discouraged about that because it was it was a great testimony he actually begins off with with first corinthians where paul says i planted apollos watered but god gave the growth uh, is how he started his his discussion and it was a really great opening testimony and and just way to honor all the different people in his life who the lord has used to to bring him to this moment and he he definitely feels the weight of the calling of of ruling elder and so that's how he opened it he talked about his faith in christ and then where the audio will pick up as he talks about i think when he meets his wife wife amy and so you'll hear that you'll hear my explanation on the office during this congregational meeting two weeks ago and uh, i hope you enjoy this i know it's a little different we ask that you'd be glorified in christ's name we pray amen Okay, so we certainly have a quorum. Uh, we need an. Okay, I heard Richard Jones and I heard a second. Any? Yeah. All. Any other nominations? No. Okay. Any discussion? All in favor of Richard Jones being our recording clerk? Say aye. Any opposed? Whew. Okay. We are electing officers. You see that in. I'm just going to explain the process. From BCO chapter 24, BCO stands for Book of Church Order. Deacons, you could distribute the ballots now. I'd ask maybe you don't fill them out until you hear their testimonies, but just to speed things along. Yeah, raise your hand if you're a member. Uh, this Only members can vote. Okay, and they'll come around and they'll give you one. So what we're going to do is I'm going to explain the process and we will hear, introduce and hear testimonies from Kevin Miller for the Office of Elder, from Matthew Crouch for the Office of Deacon. We will pray. I will ask if you're ready to vote. It'll be counted. And then we'll announce the results. And so that is the agenda. I think what I'll do first is I will read the qualifications of Elder and Deacon. We get this from multiple places. In the scriptures, uh, we see this in the book of Acts playing out in Acts 6 as they, the apostles tell the, the congregation, choose for yourself men to serve in this office of deacon. They don't use the phrase like that, but they basically choose for yourself. Those elders then pray over it and the names seem good to them. And then they're put forward and hands are laid upon them. And uh, so we see the process that we're doing right now in root form. In 1 Timothy 3 and in the book of Titus, we see the qualifications of elder for deacon is only in 1 Timothy 3. In May, we typically put out a request with the qualifications for elder and deacon, and we ask you to nominate people 
for these offices, men that you believe have these qualifications. And uh, you submit those names with your name so we know who's asking, and then the elders pray over that list, and we may know things you don't know, we may have discussions you're not having, but then we move forward with a list of men to train. And we often train more people than will accept the call. Like we often encourage men as an act of discipleship to walk through these steps. It doesn't mean you have to accept the call. Because part of the call is the Holy Spirit is leading a person to this, an internal call that the person has, they believe that's what the Holy Spirit is saying, and then the confirmation of others outside them. So a lot of people think they have a call to this, but others don't see it. You know, and so you kind of have to have all three parts. So we trained a number of people. Some said they wanted to wait. And so here we are. So let me read the qualification for overseers, which is elders, and then we'll go to deacons. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil." And I think I'll stop there, and we'll hear from Kevin in a second, and before I go to the deacon one. So one thing to notice in that list is there's no elder in this church that feels like we live up to that. <laughs> but we, we aspire to that by the Spirit in as much as we're looking to Christ who is that for us, okay? That doesn't mean that it, we don't have to be that, Okay? But it means that we have to have these areas of our life in control in order to be overseers. And so I know Kevin is probably daunting, daunted by that list. But uh, so, Kevin, why don't you come up? I'll introduce you, and we'll hear from you. So hopefully you all know Kevin Miller, uh, husband to Amy. And Kevin has been nominated for a number of years and just really sought the discernment of the Lord if he's being called to this office. And uh, this last year, he finally said yes to being trained. And he feels like he's in a place in his life where he can accept this call. And so, Kevin, uh, we're, we're super happy about this. We want to hear your testimony and some things from you. As I began high school, my faith was far from fully mature, but it, fortunately it was during those years that I first met Amy, my now wife. This was also my first introduction to Meadowview, as Amy was born and raised in this church. For those of you who have been around a while, this was during the Gary Cox, Ron Coleman, and Andrew LeClaire years of the mid to late 90s. So it's been over 25 years ago, it's hard to believe. I occasionally attended youth group and Sunday services with Amy throughout my high school years, though I was primarily attending my home church. I wasn't exactly a student of theology at the time, but I do recall seeing a certain joy and peace displayed by many at Meadowview that seemed to follow from 
freedom in Christ through God's grace. It was during this time I also met my future in-laws, Doug and Pat Owen. I'm so thankful for their influence in my life. Their zealousness for the word and prayer has been both an inspiration and God's means of conviction in my own life. They have also both modeled godly parenthood and directly aided in the raising of our covenant children. Amy has been without a doubt the greatest means of God's sanctifying grace in my life for the last 25 plus years. She's the one most intimately aware of all my faults and failures, my besetting sins of omission and commission. I will be forever thankful to God for her influence in my life, not just because she was the one that introduced me to Meadowview, but for her continuing love and grace toward me and our children. She's always pointed me to the word and encouraged and challenged me in my calling as a man, a husband, a father, and now God willing as an elder. She has been God's greatest earthly blessing to me. My college years were a time of spiritual survival more than spiritual growth. God providentially placed fellow believers in my life who kept me away from the worst that a secular university had to offer. However, I was plagued by many doubts, beset by many sins, but by God's persevering grace, I never walked away from the faith or from the church. I graduated college in May of 2004. For those of you who don't know, that makes me about 40. And Amy and I were engaged that September of that same year. We alternated attending Metaview and my home church during our engagement. And Amy and I had many discussions about which church would we attend to make our home. But she ultimately said, and this is a good example of her pushing me to become a man and a leader, that that would have to be my decision as the leader of our new home. And after much consideration, I decided we would attend Metaview. Interestingly, I didn't make this decision for doctrinal reasons. Rather, I believed it was the best place for us to raise our family. We were married the following May 2005 at Metaview, and after joining Metaview, I began to grow in my understanding of the Reformed faith. God used the teaching and preaching of Roger Wiles, Chris Bitterman, Jason Nilopoulos, for those of you who have been around since the mid-aughts, a deeper understanding of the doctrines of grace helped to put to rest many nagging doubts from my college years, and I learned to rest in God's gracious providence. Although I've been tremendously blessed by the pastors here at Meadowview, I couldn't have made it to this point in my walk without a handful of faithful brothers who have repeatedly encouraged, instructed, and exhorted me in my faith and sanctification. I won't name them, but they know who they are, a handful of them sitting in this room. Thousands of hours have been spent together sharing family meals, life group Bible studies, confession of sin, co-teaching youth classes, Friday morning breakfasts, family vacations, births of children, and every other conceivable life event. These brothers have been a constant source of companionship and encouragement. And as a side note, if you attend Metaview and you have not connected your life to your fellow members outside of official church functions, I would highly encourage you to do so you are, to, you are forfeiting a tremendous avenue of God's grace. To my recollection, it was our former associate, Pastor Kirk Blankenship, who first mentioned to me that he saw me as a future elder. This was uh, six to eight years ago, and at the time I knew I wasn't ready, but I never ruled it out as a future calling. I'm thankful for Kirk's, Kirk's friendship and encouragement. He, perhaps more than anyone I know, modeled what it looked like to be a godly leader in the home. 
I was first formally extended a nomination five years ago, and I agreed to do, uh, at least begin doing the training without making a commitment to stand for election. And I ultimately decided the timing wasn't right for myself or my family, but I did feel the internal call was there for the right time. For those of you who are here that was circa 2018, you know the many trials that many of you experienced. God used those difficult circumstances, some of them very close to my own personal life, to confirm in me the calling to the office. I saw firsthand the necessity of strong, godly elders, not just to ensure proper teaching, but to truly shepherd the people of God in leadership and protection. I've been asked several times over the past years, few years to consider the office, and each time it was easier to just continue as a member, regularly attending and serving, without the added weight and responsibility of the office. However, having had the internal calling confirmed externally by multiple current and former pastors, elders, and members, along with changes in our, the stage of our family life, I began to feel that to continue to put it off further would be to neglect a duty that God was calling me to. Speaking of family life, I'm thankful for the blessing of our three boys. God has used each one to both challenge and encourage me in my walk. They're truly a blessing. The intervening years since my first nomination, God has strengthened my love both for his word and his people, two things I believe to be critical to serving as an elder. If there's anything you can pray for your pastors and your church officers, it's that they would, God would increase their love and zealousness for his word and his people. I recognize that the office is first and foremost one of service to the body of Christ and not particularly to the pastors or to the elders. Though I'm grateful for George's teaching, friendship, and teaching, he, and he perhaps unknowingly has helped me become more Presbyterian. Thank you for that. This commitment is not to follow him or Pablo or Taylor or the rest of the session. Rather, an elder commits to serve alongside them to care for the body by being faithful to the word of God. My hope and prayer, if elected to serve, is for Meadowview to continue the work God has called us to, to be faithful in the ordinary means of grace and to trust the results to God. And I pray that no matter where God has called each of us to serve in his kingdom, whether planting or watering, we would always remember it is God alone who gives the growth. So you see that list up there. Of course, the elders believe Kevin has uh, represents those qualities. And uh, about the fourth line down toward the left, it says able to teach. And that's one we always look for in an elder. And Kevin has taught multiple classes here. Him and I have alternated uh, teaching and all that. Also, he spent a lot of time with the sessions. He came on an elders retreat with us last year, uh, got to know the elders, we got to know him. So we obviously are very supportive of this. So uh, just, just to be clear, when this is George asked me, I was the one charged with asking. I didn't nominate, you guys do the nominating, but I fully endorse and support. I just wanna make that highlight. This is not your pastor's job to pick the, the officers, it's y'all's job to recognize them. If there is a question, I will answer it, but. Okay. Uh, 
you know, we've announced this for over a month, and, and hopefully you have your questions answered. So let's pray, and then you guys can vote, and then you raise your ballot up, and the deacons will collect it, but let, let's pray. Father, we, do, we are so grateful uh, to you for this, Lord, and just grateful once again that you are faithful to families. These are covenant uh, families represented here, multiple generations that you're raising up new leaders to serve in this church. It's amazing how faithful you are in all things. Thank you for your faithfulness to Meadowview. May we be a church that is zealous for you. Lord, may we be a church that's zealous for good works in your name. We pray for Kevin, Lord, and, uh, and Matthew in this vote, and uh, we know you will be glorified. Thank you for their witness today to stand up and proclaim Christ and their heart for your body. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So should they get elected, uh, we will ordain them at the end of March. So this is just the election. So if, you, uh, if you're done with your ballot, you can raise your hand. It will be collected. Okay, well, I'm pleased to announce both Kevin Miller and Matthew Crouch ha are, uh, have been voted on to be our next elder and deacon uh, here at Meadowview. Good news. Uh, is there a motion to adjourn? Second. All in favor? Let's, let me pray. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it was of interest to you. Again, I know I said it's a, it's a little something different, and it's definitely preaching to the choir because most people listening are ruling elders. I look forward to having our guest on when he is available. We, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, teaching through the Westminster Larger Catechism, but also uh, being a Reformed church in a in a city and doing Reformed Presbyterian worship, polity, evangelism, missions, outreach in the context of a city and from a confessional framework. So I look forward to that. Until next time on the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman, I pray you glorify God and enjoy Him forever. See you next time.